Welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. Okay, so we have our very first interview here at the EACD conference. I have the fabulous Dr. Amanda Kwong from University of Melbourne. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dana. <laughs> Now, you just come back from your presentation, so you're literally just buzzing off that. And you've come down, sat down to have a chat with me about the work that you've just presented. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about, before we talk about that work, in general, like what is it that you do? I'm obviously, you're a researcher, but what brought you to this place in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm a physiotherapist by trade nice. um, and I've always had an interest in paediatrics, um, working with children. Um, I think I, I can't quite put my finger on the link, but I did have um, a very close family friend with Down syndrome okay, um, and yeah. I saw what she did at her special school and right. um, then there were a few and I thought that was pretty cool to be able to... Um, to be able to uplift people with a disability in that That's sort of awesome. setting. Yeah. Um, and then I saw a few documentaries of, you know, um, kids who'd had car accidents and oh, neurological wow. um, injuries as a result. And I just yeah. thought, oh, gee, that'd be so awesome to be able to help to return a child back to, you know, functioning. But um, then I worked clinically uh, in Canberra um, for, for a little ah. bit with the Child Development Service there. Yes. And, um But Melbourne is my home and I moved back to Melbourne. And when I moved back, I thought I want to do something a little bit different, but yep. not too different. So yep. I approached um, Professor Alicia Spittle and uh -huh. asked her if she was um, if she was supervising any PhD projects. Um, and she mentioned that she was looking at um, general movements and, uh, and a smartphone app to do with that. And I like I, I find myself a bit um, drawn to technology as well. That's so I thought cool. this is just nothing. A wonderful <laughs> collision of um, two worlds here of um, children, disability, physiotherapy, technology, yep. Yep. Um, and and the rest is history. So, yes, that is such a great story. So I love that you worked clinically, but you're inspired through that process and wanted to go that little bit deeper and something different. And research is often a nice place to go to, isn't it? It Absolutely. kind of opens your horizons to so many different things. Yes, um, and it takes you to places like this, and so you know that we get to meet in Slovenia. So tell us in in a bit of a nutshell, sort of what is the study that you presented today uh, and what you had for the oral communication. Yeah, um, so I presented um, our work on uh, the KITE-CP study. So that's the knowledge translation of the early detection of cerebral palsy. Great. Um, KITE-CP is much nicer to say. <laughs> yes. Um, and that is all about looking at implementing the current clinical guidelines for the early diagnosis of cerebral palsy Great. Um, in high-risk infant settings. And so we worked with um, 11 sites across Australia. So wow. it's quite a quite a big study yeah. um, and we worked with sites in Brisbane, um, Sydney as well as Melbourne yep. um, and looked at implementing the early detection of cerebral palsy guidelines in those settings. That is wonderful. So the early detection guidelines, um, we've spoken a bit about that before in the podcast, but can you just describe like a high level sort of summary? I know it's a hard one to summarize, but you know, what, what's in that? What are the main principles that are part of that early detection process? Yeah. Um, so I can't uh, say this without mentioning Ina Novak and her colleagues um, who uh, devised these clinical guidelines through 
some really great evidence that have come uh, had come before it. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, it is um, a triangulation or um, looking at three different assessment tools. Yeah. So one of them is the um, the Hammersmith Infant Neurological Examination, which is a hands-on assessment for babies. If they score below a particular um, a number, then yes. it puts them at high risk of cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So that's the high, number one. Yep. Number two is the general movements assessment. Yep. Um, and so that's my little pet project, the yes. general movements assessment and making sure that families uh, have better access to this assessment. Yep. And that one, if you if you have a baby that has abnormal movements on that, then that is a second indicator for sure. high-risk CP. Okay. And then the third one being um, uh, changes on brain neuroimaging. So okay. if you get two out of the three of pine general movements or brain neuroimaging, that puts you at high risk of cerebral palsy. That's such a great summary. You did that very well. You've obviously done that before. <laughs> that was actually really nicely done. So in terms of the knowledge translation aspect of it, what was the main task that you had set before yourself? <laughs> yeah. So as we know, we can all write beautiful guidelines and mm-hmm. it takes some time for clinical practice to catch up. Yeah. And so that was the purpose of this um, ex- exercise was to try to implement these guidelines and yep. use a knowledge translation strategy. So um, I have some colleagues uh, at the University of Melbourne and the Murdoch Children's Research Institute um, that are knowledge translation experts. Yeah. Um, and they devised um, a bit of a strategy in combination with um, clinicians as well to see what would work in terms of um, implementing the guidelines. Um, yep. So we not, we didn't just say to people, you need to do a you need to do an MRI, you need to do uh, a HINE and you must do the general movements assessment. Sure. We said to them, we'll support you with continuing medical education, we'll um, supply you with a, a smartphone app that you can use with your, your families to help to, so the Baby Moves app, to yep. try and help to Great. record the general movements assessment. Yep. Um, we can... Uh, provide you with a peer network as well. So um, I know in Victoria we had a general movements interest group that Uh was um, set up around this project Uh Um, and we're yet to find the full results of it just yet. But today what I presented on was um, how – uh, the, the, the uptake of the general movements assessment specifically Great. as part of the three points of early diagnosis. Yes. And we found that if we did it in a way that's um, uh, relevant to a local setting that works within what is existing with them, plus giving them with a little bit of support, yep. we're getting a lot more videos back from our parents or getting general movements assessment videos. Ah. Um, it might not necessarily be the app. So we found that only 64% of our participants use the app. Really? Um, so that it's not a high rate compared to our other studies, right. but because we allowed other ways of collecting yeah. the video, we yep. actually had an overall um, general movements assessment rate of 92%. Wow. So, yeah. I guess that really speaks so much into providing people's choices um, and being able to identify something that works for them. I think yeah. sometimes maybe a little while back when we used to talk about knowledge translation, it was kind of like, this is what you must do and this is the process you must follow it by. Um and I think what happens from that is we treat clinicians who can think and and bring up so much information together. It becomes very technician-like. Yes. Whereas, you know, we there is problem solving. There's thinking around that. And that makes things more robust. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love how, how that has come through in some of your results. Was there anything that surprised you in your results in particular? Um, I think um, so we, we sort of – this needs a little bit more um, hashing out with our next research um, 
studies that will come out of this, but um, we we started to look into the barriers and we're okay. sort of starting to hypothesise the barriers okay. of of to, to the implementation, even though we did as, as best as we could to support each clinical site to implement these guidelines. Yeah. Um, there was still some staff hesitancy as well. Okay. Um, they might not have been directly uh, involved with a kite CP study, yeah, uh, sure. the, but there might have been someone in the staff network that just um, just wasn't quite convinced yet and okay. we're not sure um, how much of a barrier that was, but we're going to look into it next. Um, my colleague, um, Dr. Kate Cameron, Fabulous. she's about to look into the clinician perspective okay. as well as the parent and family um, perspective of the early screening process. Okay. And that's going to unpack a whole lot yeah, more stuff for us. Yeah, I think understanding those elements is so important so you can develop strategies and, and actually just know what the micro steps might be to get into that. So ultimately, I guess... I mean, I guess I can see where it's probably wanting to be headed, but ultimately, where is it that your team want to see this whole program? Um, I guess that we see uh, the end goal is that um, that the early detection of cerebral palsy um, and screening for cerebral palsy is implemented universally across yeah. Australia to start, yeah. but then next worldwide as well. And yeah. I do believe that there is a push um, for cerebral palsy to be screened early yep. world, in a worldwide context as well. That's so fabulous. Um, and, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it, it definitely can be done, but there's a lot of uh, hurdles to get in the way, <laughs> which we can absolutely jump over given the right resources. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, um, let's just finish off with maybe some top tips. Do you have any top tips on how we can – support more knowledge translation in this early detection field? You've kind of covered it a little bit, but let's just put it down to just a few points. Do you know what they might be? Do they spring to mind? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think my colleague, Dr. Abby Eels, who's the knowledge translation expert on our team, would uh, be able to articulate this better. And also we haven't quite delved into it, but I would hypothesise that <laughs> the things that would help people implement things is really that peer-to-peer -peer support okay. um, and feel like if you get that sort of um, momentum going behind yeah. um, uptake of something like the cerebral palsy yeah. um, uh, screening guidelines, then um, you, you can't help but take your colleagues with you and yeah. hopefully the way the, com the early conversations with the team um, yeah. – expanding through to think people like the nursing staff um, yes, yes. and other junior medical staff as well, that those early conversations about cerebral palsy become much more um, sophisticated, yes. much more um, understanding and uh, gentle with the parents and families yes. and that way that we can get that sort of uptake happening a lot more better. Yeah, that's great. That, that sort of brings to a point, I guess, even when you're saying that is – Sometimes it's the soft skills. It's those interpersonal communication aspects that bring people with you. It creates that environment for people to feel confident. And I think that, you know, sometimes we need to build people's confidence up to be able to take on something that's new, right? Yes. Um, and that can't be underestimated because I think that's how a lot of us want to learn. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you don't we, want to venture it on your own. <laughs> no, we're, we're pack animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's great. Well, congratulations on your work. Congratulations on being able to present that work here today. And thank you for your time here on the podcast. Thanks so much, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's the first episode. So stay tuned for more. And if you have any questions, remember you can send us an email or contact us through the website researchworks.net. Talk to you guys all again really soon.